We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy, where the Boston Celtics are going back to the conference finals. As always, this is your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? I'm doing fantastic, and I can't wait to talk about it. And joining me today, as they always do, when we connect the three, man, we, it's my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, Greg Manakis. How you doing, my guy? I'm good. It feels a lot better with you back as the host. Adam and I split the hosting duties on Bleacher Report. And uh, anytime you're gone, I feel your absence, bro. Hosting <laughs> is not easy. So shout out to you. Well, I appreciate that, man. I got the keys here. I'm ready to I'm ready to rev up the bus here, ready to get that engine going. We're ready to have a good time here with the three-man weave. And of course, to make that complete, we got to hit up our podcasting cousin from across the pond, the captain of the Taylor gang, the one and only Adam Taylor, what's popping, Adam? Yo, what's popping, man? I want to give you some props right now because I hosted podcasts for years and then I haven't hosted one in probably about eight months and maybe a little bit less. And dude, I, I'm not in practice, man. You you are literally, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best in the business. It's great to have you back at the helm. There's a lot less pressure on me, a lot less pressure on Greg. You can shoulder all that shit. I'm happy, but... Enough about me and Greg, man. We, we, we weren't the ones in the garden, dude. <laughs> well, first of all, I appreciate the the praise from you guys here. I had a chance to re-listen to you guys on Bleach Report. Y'all killed it. So I know you guys are just being hard on yourselves, but I do appreciate uh, the kind words. But yeah, let's get into it. So let's, let's put a bow on the Sixers-Celtics here before we get to our preview here of the Celtics Heat Part 3, which is just bananas to think about the way that the season went down. But we'll get into that here. But as you mentioned, Adam, I was in the building, in the garden last night, and listening to you guys back after the uh, on the stream y'all did for, for Bleacher Report, I was really happy to hear that the environment came through on the television because shit was rocking. It was an unbelievable environment. Right before you got on here, Adam, I was telling Greg, the momentum, the energy, the adrenaline boost that I've got from being in the garden over 24 hours ago at, at this point, it's just now starting to wear off. As soon as we finish this podcast, I am going to take an edible and just crash. That is my <laughs> only plan after this podcast. My body is is ready to collapse, but, but last night, everybody had the energy. So to kind of set the scene, you know, we go. I started heading to town around. The game was at three thirty, so I think around you know quarter to two, two o'clock. And you know, one of the staples for a lot of Celtics fans out there, it's, it's one of Greg and I's rituals. We go to this place called Halftime Pizza. If you're a Celtics fan, listen to this podcast. Most likely, either before or after a game, you have been there before, gotten a beer, gotten a slice, and it's it's just it's just a great pregame atmosphere. Here's when I knew that the crowd was about it, about it was when we we're in halftime. So this is a little over an hour before the game's about to tip. And we got multiple, let's go Celtics. Those chants were, were happening in the pizza shop before you get in. Now, I've been to a couple of big games for the Celtics. 
that's atypical. That is not normal. That's not usually what you hear. So to me, that was a sign that, you know, Jalen Brown made a request and the fans were, were ready to respond. And so by the time we started to get in line to get into the arena, same thing, chants were going off and probably, you know, 15 to 20 minutes before, maybe 10 to 15 minutes before they even started doing intros, everybody was in their seats, man. It really was one of the more special atmospheres that I've had a chance to be, be a part of. And, you know, being up in the balcony with the sickos, it was, uh, it was a good time. It was a really, really good time. So for playoff games in the past, when I've been to a playoff game, they always have some sort of like souvenir that a fan can walk away with. Sometimes they'll put a t-shirt on your seat. Sometimes it'll be a towel that they'll hand out. What was it for this game? Because the Celtics were in green. So I'm imagining they were hand with they handed out green stuff or white stuff. Yeah, they had they had green T-shirts on on everybody's seat. I'll I'll be real with you. Number one, it uh. So you know how at the beginning of the playoffs we were all con- confused by wh- why what's that like unfinished business? But what's the why is the is like what what's going on there? And then we all figured out that it was it was eighteen. So they had a really weird green on green design. It was almost like I guess like how it would be matte black, but like matte green on it. Um, it was really difficult to read. And then it had like a zoomed in shot of Lucky. I think winking. I don't know. We actually couldn't figure it out. But I'll be real. I'm a little salty now, but at the time I was so hype. I had it over my shoulder. I bought this cool new hat. If you guys can, you're watching us here on YouTube. I was really excited to find that. And, um, you know, I had the the t-shirt over my shoulder, but honestly, with, within the first couple of minutes, it got so hype. I, I don't know where it is. I, it got lost <laughs> in the shuffle. It, it legit did. And then it wasn't until we, we got out. I was with uh, my friend and his brother and only one of us had our, had the shirt by the time that we, we got out of the garden, got out of the space. And I was like, damn. I didn't. I didn't care about the time. Now I wish. I, I wish I had it. But yeah, they they painted it green. Um, it, it was just dude. It everybody was into it from the jump. It got a little hairy. I will say in in the first quarter when the Celtics offense was sputtering a little bit in the early parts of that, and then PJ Tucker, who I've been challenging all series, all series to beat us, and you know he had eleven points in the first quarter. But that was really the only moment where it, it got. A little tenuous was end of the first quarter, beginning of the second when the, the Philly had a little bit of a lead. Um, but I know, and I, and I think Adam, I think you brought this up during that flagrant foul on James Harden, or one of you guys brought this up. That's when the moment. That's when the game flipped, and that really was uh, a defining moment. And and on TV, was that something that you guys could feel that there was the energy? Literally perfect timing with Jalen Brown. The energy was shifting during that moment. Yeah, you could hear that. You could definitely sense it as well. Like, um, I'm not saying it was loud enough that I was turning my headphones down. I mean, I just want to point out that Jared Weiss tweeted that his Apple Watch was telling him to leave the building because it was too loud. Um, Which I was like, yo, that's loud, loud. Like, that's (laughs) loud, loud, loud. Um, My Apple Watch has never told me to vacate somewhere because it's too loud. And if it has, I haven't noticed. Um, yeah, we can notice that. I think it was the possession after, right? So JB gets hurt, um, and then the Celtics get the ball back, and that's kind of when you felt the crowd cheering going. And just the, the way the Celtics' body language was as well, I think that's kind of what translated the most. Now, I just want to go back real quick and ask a stupid question. And I know there's no such thing as no stupid questions, but let's carry on. These T-shirts, right? <laughs> Everyone's different sizes, yeah. So how, how how does how do you get one that fits? Are you just Mo- all trading mostly, t-shirts? Mostly they just give you oversized ones. I think every I think they put like XLs and so I'm sure for for certain individuals it's not but like I saw a bunch yeah, of kids me. wearing it after the game and they you know their parents have like it tied around their back basically to to make it fit yeah. and they're swimming in it and stuff. So it's it's definitely it's a sleep a shirt that you grow into. Yeah, exactly. And like if and if you happen to be the right size adult, then then it's something you can you can wear. Like I did see uh there was a shirt I got last year when I was at the garden for game one, Celtics Bucks, and I saw somebody had that same shirt. I forget I forget what it says on it now, but I never was like I saw someone wearing it. It's like, oh, that's the same shirt from game one last year. So you can find times to to rewear it. But it's funny, Adam, you're you're not the first person. I I mean I've had that same thought before of you know how of like i wonder how they're doing this but i think it's just basically it's an xl everywhere you go and i mean it, it makes it makes sense because like 
If you're an XL, perfect. You get to wear the shirt, right? If you're a little kid, it's a souvenir that you get to have for pretty much the rest of your life. It's going to be, you know, 10 years from now. You're going to be like, oh, I remember that time I went to the game. If you're too, uh, too small for the shirt or too big for the shirt, very easy to gift that or just to keep it as a souvenir, right? It, they're giving it to you for free. And it's, yeah. it's meant to be a souvenir. It's meant to be memorabilia. Um, but Will, one question I have for you. In that game, at what point did you know that Jason Tatum was going God mode? So this is a great question. So third, so I, I don't know if I have a specific moment because early on in the third, it was still a game, right? I think up until about 60 to 55 or something around that. And then there was that massive 33 to five run to, to close the quarter or, or, you know, whatever it was. And so I don't know if there was a specific moment, but whatever it was, Everyone in that arena realized it at the same time because it got to a point where once Tatum cocked back, it was literally like the priest at a sermon was telling everybody to rise. And before he could let it go, the entire arena would stand in anticipation, just like this is going in. We all know that this is going in. And it happened four, you know, four or five different times with Tatum rising up, firing. And half the time, I couldn't even see the ba the ball go in the basket. I would see it, you know, leave his hand, try to follow the trajectory, and then everyone would rise at that same time. And then you would just hear the crowd pop, just the explosion all around the arena. And and so I don't know, like I said, if there was a specific moment, but that whole quarter, it it was known, you know, much like Tyrion Lannister, it was known that Jason Tatum was going to be that guy that night. And you know that. So, Greg, here's the other part. And Adam, I've said this on the show before too. One of the one of the things that's always bothered me about any of the live basketball games that I've I've seen, you know, in my life is that up until yesterday, the number one hands down individual performance I've ever seen in person was Kyrie Irving for the Boston Celtics against the Philadelphia 76ers. So maybe maybe that's also part of the Christmas rest. Of it. I, need, I need to go to yeah. need to go to more Sixers game. Yeah, Greg was we were there with uh, Greg courtesy of his brother-in-law with some some hookup and some really nice tickets for Christmas Day and Kyrie Irving was amazing in that. That is now very very happily number 2 <laughs> on my list of of number 1 performances I've seen in person. Uh, Jason Tatum did it all in that game, man. He was everywhere from the start. He had a really thunderous dunk in the first quarter, which was one of the things that kept the energy level really high in the building up until that little bit of a lull, like I talked about, end of the first, early second. And, you know, just watching his performance yesterday, it, it really showed that he is a guy that's in that tier, that's in that A1 tier. Doesn't mean it's going to be there every game. Steph Curry doesn't have it every game. LeBron doesn't have it every game. But when you're looking at who are the guys that can have those performances that are historic, that are legendary, that are going to be told for, you know, I'm going to be telling, you know, my kids, grandkids, whatever, like they're going to hear about the day Jason Tatum dropped 51 in game seven in the garden, an NBA record. So just an incredibly, incredibly special moment. Um, you know, as, as we put a bow on the series, guys, I'm curious. So let's start with you, Adam. And then I want to hear the same question, same question to you, Greg, here. What's your final takeaway from this series as far as just the importance of this series? We didn't expect it to go seven, but you know what? It did. It's the playoffs. Things are tough. What's your most important takeaway from the Celtics Sixers series? Yeah, I think for me, it's that the double big makes the defense tick. It's exactly, I think that's the identity that was missing last season and seeing those guys play together in that format. And be able to, and I said this to Greg yesterday on the Bleach Report, um, on a Bleach Report stream. If you look at Game Six and Game Seven and how many buckets Philly scored and what the final score was, those were very common kind of numbers being put up against Boston during the Udoka reign, especially after that um, midway point last season. So to see them come back and start holding teams with an MVP on their roster as well to below a hundred points and be able to kind of just lock up whoever they needed to that shows me that double big is the way to go for the for the rest of this playoffs at least and then you know you decide whether what you're going to do with Al Horford whether you want going to move him to the bench or whatever for next season in the summer so that's probably my main takeaway is keep running more double bigs baby how about yeah. you Greg yeah for sure um one thing I just want to point out really quickly before I give you my takeaway Adam, I told you this on the stream yesterday that I couldn't remember who it was that I texted 
um, about how like I felt like it was a it was, the energy was shifting and we were like one great run could do it. So I found the text. It was actually to Will. Like no surprise there. <laughs> but here it is, real quick. Hold on. Why is that not working? Sharing my screen. Okay. So right after George Nan grabbed JB's knee, right. I, I texted, I said, Foster is a bitch for calling attack on JB there. And I said, Tatum might go for 50 in this one. Feels like five great minutes of ball here can open this up, right? So I just want to point out, I had the right vibe. Some, some with, with this team, I have very much this season been off on what they're about to accomplish. When I think they're going on runs, they blow leads. When I think that they're about to blow blow a lead, they end up keeping a lead, right? So I have no feel for this team. Yesterday was the first time I actually had a good uh, finger on the pulse of the squad. So my takeaway, Joe Missoula. We got to go to Joe Missoula, okay? Joe Missoula, after game five, it felt like the entire world was caving in on him, right? Players were saying things in the press conferences, uh, my brother was texting me. My ex-basketball coach was texting me. Like Everyone's texting me about Joe Missoula. And then in game six, he decides, you know what? I'm not going to be as stubborn as everybody thinks I am. I am actually going to go back to the double big lineup that worked. As much as I wanted Missoula ball to be a thing, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel with this team. This team, as Adam said, is built on that defensive backbone the fact that he was able to make that adjustment in game six, he made some good timeout calls in both game six and game seven. Will even freaked out during the game as a lot of people did thinking that he was challenging the call. On, I will uh, say in the arena, they completely fooled everybody because they lit up the green light. They even put on the Jumbotron coaches challenge. So I was okay. very happy for, for you to correct me on that because I was losing it with a challenge with 10 minutes left in the second quarter. Yeah. I was going nuts. So the fact that he didn't challenge that and that he just laid into the refs um, although, you know, it kind of stinks to see Derek white losing it towards the end of that series, Joe made the right call. Marcus smart was the better player in that series. And we don't win that series without Marcus smart. Um, Derek white, hopefully can rediscover his magic in the Eastern conference finals. Cause he was great against the heat last year. So that he's a very important part of that series, but shout out to Missoula. Everything, everybody was against you going into game six and you were able to, to make the adjustments. And I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. You're a peer of Will and I's. You're this, and, and Adam, you're the same age as us, man. So we're happy for you. You were put in an impossible situation. You've been stubborn. You've been frustrating, but you made the right decision in game six and game seven. And hopefully you've learned your lessons just in time because you're about to go up against one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. Am I the oldest on this pod? I think by a little, but like we're talking months, I think. I yeah. don't think it's it's by, February twenty third, nineteen eighty nine here. Yeah. August twenty second, nineteen eighty nine. I know I'm the youngest one, but oh, we're talking years then, October twenty, nineteen eighty seven. All right. Yeah, we got a year and a half. But you know what? We're we're all in that same age bracket, you know. Yeah. They, we're they, old. They They've we'll talked about Missoula, Blake, and, and Al. That's kind of the triumvirate inside the locker room to be able to have like his council, right? We're, we're, we're just we're the Green with Envy council here, right? We're the three-man weave. We're the bus two boys. That's what we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bus two boys. Bus two boys. But, you know, with that said, bus one, bus two, Celtics are moving on. It's a rematch against the Miami Heat. Somehow, we're back here once again. So let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back here, let's get into the Celtics against the Heat, part three. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, guys. Well, back again. The zombie heat are once again in our lives. And it's so funny thinking how much time we spent over the last four to five weeks of the regular season where our discourse in one form or another almost always shifted back to, I really hope Miami doesn't get that seven seed and we have to play them in the first round. Well, we got our wish. They lost on the freaking play-in to the Atlanta Hawks. And yet here we are a few weeks later in the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in four years. Celtics Heat, currently 1-1. to Miami got us in the bubble in 2024-2. Celtics obviously victorious last year by the skin of their teeth, 4-3 to go on to the Finals last season. And we'll see what this year holds, but really interesting uh, stat that I found earlier today which I think just speaks to, we've all heard about heat culture, right? I mean, I think we're all ready to throw up at, at this point hearing hearing about, about heat culture. And Celtic culture just doesn't have a, you know, we don't go around boasting about it the same way the heat do. But since 2010, there's only been four Eastern Conference finals that have not featured one of these two franchises. And this will be the fourth time that these two teams have met together in the Eastern Conference Finals. So a fifth, you know, almost 15-year run here of really sustained... I don't know if I can say excellence because there's only three championships between all of them in that in that time frame, but sustained importance within the NBA to be in this many Eastern Conference Finals speaks a lot to the organizations. But you know what? Throw that out the window. All that matters is right now. All that matters is these two teams and what they have right now. So so let's start. I know you guys started to get into this uh, on the last pod here, but let's start to break it down. And we've got four different categories that that we're going to go through. So, Greg, let's start with you here, and we'll kind of kick this all around between us. But let's start with with the backcourt here. And we know for the Celtics what we're looking at. We just talked a little bit about it at the end of the Philly series where it ended up being a little bit more Marcus Smart, a little bit more Malcolm Brogdon, a little less Derek White uh, in that series. But that three-headed monster still obviously very readily available. And then when you look to Miami, you know, you're looking at that's where it gets really interesting, actually. No Tyler Hero as of now. We'll see if he comes back later in the series. Uh, but Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, you know, if we want to call Max Struess, might might label him a little bit more of a wing. Caleb yeah, Martin, I'd say same he's thing. More of a wing. Yeah, I think those guys are probably more wings. So you're really looking at that. Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent is going to be the majority of the backcourt that that you're looking at here for the Heat. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts as we look specifically just as the backcourt heading into Game One on Wednesday night. Well, the first thing is pretty obvious, pointing out that we have three guys to there too, with Hero being out, right? So we have that extra piece of depth. Um, we're also the younger of the two with Kyle Lowry being up there in age, um, being more of a peer of Al Horford than he is a peer of anybody else on on the Celtics. Um, Kyle Lowry's great. You know, he's he's what, what's the phrase you always say more in uh more in game, not in name. What is it? He's more he's more Kyle Lowry in name than he is game at this point. Yeah. But I, I do think that he had um, some moments in the Knicks series where you're like, oh, Kyle Lowry is still doing Kyle Lowry things. Like he still has uh, the ability to make an imprint on games, just getting to loose balls, taking charges, getting offensive rebounds, hitting the timely three, um, just being annoying. That's what Kyle Lowry is great at is just being annoying, right? So there is a game in which Kyle Lowry could be the best guard on the court. And then Gabe Vincent is somebody that I've always kind of admired from afar. He's a willing shooter. 
Uh, I think he's a pesky defender. I I would imagine he's going to get more than his share of steals digging down on the Malcolm Brogdon drives, digging down on the JB drives. He's just always kind of in the right place, and he's always willing to foul. And that's what Kyle Lowry and Gabe Vincent both do, and really the whole Heat team do really well, is they're going to foul you and beat the heck out of you and dare the refs to call the fouls, right? So the fact that they only have two guys in their backcourt, if the refs don't allow them to be ultra physical they're in for a long series because they're not gonna they, they don't have the depth um to to contend with what the celtics have and like i mean even think about the celtics we who would you rather have gabe vincent or peyton pritchard like if you put them in a vacuum like you might <laughs> choose peyton pritchard there and gabe vincent's their starting point guard so um i'm choosing the celtics backcourt 10 times out of 10 but that doesn't mean that the heat backcourt can't outplay them for a game or two or maybe even an entire series yeah, so I want to say this. Y'all are in Texas, or you at least live in Texas. So you're very used to attending cookouts, and that's going to be exactly what this is in terms of a backcourt matchup. The Celtics are just, for me, there's just too much talent there to even have a concern. Yeah, Cole Lowry is going to be annoying, He's, and Gabe Vincent's going to be pesky, but Marcus Smart's annoying, Marcus Smart's pesky. Derek White's annoying, Derek White's pesky. Malcolm Brogdon's frustrating because he doesn't pass to big men. So, you know, there's a nice mixture of everything in there. Um, I don't see a world where the guard play for Miami is the deciding factor in any game. I think there's a game where, yeah, Kyle Lowry could Kyle Lowry could be the best player on the floor, best guard on the floor, sorry, but he's never going to be the best player on the floor and he's never going to be a swing factor simply because there's other positions of, of strength on both teams. So And simply because he's going up against a former defensive player of the year a current all defensive NBA second, like all NBA defensive second team. And then he's got Malcolm Brogdon. So I'm not too concerned. I think Boston comfortably win this battle. Um, and yeah, again, it's a cookout, baby. Somebody passed me some brisket. Hey, man, my, uh, you know, right now I'm at my cousin's house here in Dedham. Shout out to my cousin Jess and her husband, Tony. My guy, Tony's Tony, out there firing. He's, 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 he got some duck heads. We're not having duck tonight. No duck, no duck eggs tonight. But uh, but he is firing up the pit right now. So we are going to have a barbecue here in a little bit. So uh, take me out of Texas, but we still we still getting our barbecue on tonight. So I'm uh, I'm yeah, excited boy. for that. And you know, it, it, here's the thing. So when you look at the backcourt, it's hard to disagree with anything that you guys said. And this is going to be the case for a lot of what we're talking about with the rosters and what makes Miami being in this position so amazing. It's it's definitely you know leans advantage. Celtics. One thing I will push back on and disagree a little bit with you on, Adam, is that I think on the margins is where the Heat are going to have to to find something we're not expecting. And I, I do think when I watch the Heat, Gabe Vincent, I don't necessarily have the, the stats to back this up, but Greg, as you said, he's a willing three-point shooter. He leads the, the, the Heat this postseason shooting 6.7 threes per game. And he seems to have a feel for the moment. When Jimmy's gone on some of these runs or Bam's been been doing his point Bam thing and, and you're leading these, these comebacks, they're not comebacks, but you know, taking control of games, I feel like within those stretches, there's always one Gabe Vincent shot. There's just one shot where they need someone else to do something. And to your point where he's a willing shooter, I, I feel like a lot of times he's the guy that in the midst of Jimmy scoring 15 out of 21, Gabe Vincent hits two threes, you know, just to give them something else. And so I do think that's something to to watch out for because I do think a player like Gabe Vincent is sometimes the the type of guy that the Celtics, for whatever reason, and they won't do it in the playoffs, I think, throughout the entire series, but at moments may rest a little bit, may say, ah, it's Gabe Vincent, to your point. Gabe Vincent or Peyton Pritchard. I play Pritchard, you know, every day in practice, and and I beat Peyton Pritchard's not getting run on my team. Why am I going to be scared of of Gabe Vincent? And Gabe Vincent's one of those guys that I think could have uh, a moment, not to win the series, but if they're gonna, if Miami's gonna win the series or be, you know, get it forcing another game seven, they're gonna need the Gabe Vincent game. They're gonna need a few of these insert former G League All Star player here <laughs> to have a game that that's gonna pop, and so. To that point, I think Gabe is at least in the mix of being that guy because he does have a confidence about him. And also, like I am, I'm just a fan of the way he carries himself. And he, he's going to be someone that's not scared. Even if he's going to fail, he doesn't seem like one of those guys that's, that's scared to fail in that moment. Yeah, he's so kind just, of... Oh, good, Adam. No, I was just going to say, I just want to kind of push back there and be like, I definitely agree that there's going to need to be stuff in the margins. I just don't think that happens at the guard position. Yeah, that's fair. Go ahead, Greg. Gabe Vincent, he just reminds me of like uh, like a Tyus Jones, like a Monte Morris, like one of those guys that you can rely on them 
not to make mistakes, right? Gabe Vincent's mm-hmm. not going to make a lot of mistakes in this series. He, he's been empowered by Eric Spolstra to shoot that three, as you said, 6.7 threes per game uh, in the playoffs. And I agree with you, Will. He does, I, I don't know where he went to college, but he has, he has that like, um, you know, like he maybe he went. He looks like he maybe went to Villanova. You uh, you see Santa Barbara is where he okay. went. To. He does he does have that Villanova like refined feel to him, right? Like he yeah. he fit in with the the Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, uh, mm-hmm. Dante Divincenzo crew. Yeah, absolutely. So Gabe Vincent definitely keep my eye on you, my guy. Yeah. So that that's three zero Celtics backcourt. You know, I I think that that was a pretty easy one. Let's go to the wings, and we know for the Celtics, this is Jalen and Jason. This is this is who we're going to ride with. We can throw Sam Hauser in there if we want to. I think that's a discussion point, maybe maybe for for later, whether or not we see him in this series. Philly was not the matchup for him. In fact, as you mentioned, Greg, they went they went seven guys the last two games here. So we'll see what happens uh, to start this series. So primarily, obviously, it's going to be the two Jays that you're looking at on the wings for the Celtics. The Heat have a guy that can at least stay, can stand toe to toe with both of them. You know, Jimmy Butler has an argument of being the best player remaining in the playoffs. Certainly, playoff Jimmy's on a whole other level. Himmy Butler, as he's come, become to be known in these playoffs, you know, so he's going to be a guy that's standing toe to toe with the Jays. But once again, I just use the plural Jays. There's not Jimmy's. There's just there's just one Jimmy and there's two Jays. And so that's where the Celtics are clearly going to have that advantage. And then you have the three point marksman. And this maybe Adam will get to the point of once again being on the margins of guys that have to pop and that's where you get max Struess, and all of a sudden the back in the rotation duncan robinson who felt like he had fallen out of the rotation for quite a bit had a really dismal season shooting the three but in the postseason has got back up over 42 percent from three he shot under 30 percent in the regular season which is just mind-boggling to think about a guy that got his size contract for being a shooter and being really, you know, a one attribute type of guy to shoot that poorly, but him being able to extend the floor has been a big reason of why the Heat have been able to to have a very different postseason versus regular season. So, Adam, let's start with you on this one. And when we look at the wings, like we said, the Jays and Jimmy stand out. But w- what do you make of the the lower levels of of this matchup here as the Heat try to try to find a way to to even it up? Yeah, so I think that the, the Heat don't have an advantage here, but I think it's quite even, right? I think that Himmy Butler versus Tatum is going to be the best matchup we're going to see. Um, yes, I said Tatum because that's how we now refer to the 51-point guard. But when we're looking further down in that depth chart, when we're looking at the Max Drews, when we're looking at the um, Duncan Robinsons, and you ask yourself, well, okay, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are better than Strews and Robinson, but who then... I'd still choose Struess or Robinson over Sam Hauser at this point. I think they're both, maybe not Robinson. That's probably, I'm probably bullshitting you a little bit there because Hauser can defend. Um, but if you're going to get it in the margins, it's going to be here, right? I think Max Struess and Robinson, one of the best things about both of them is their movement shooters. And when you look at the way Miami run their offense and how everything kind of works on like flip actions where you're coming from one at one slot to another slot and you wrote, um, creating like second side, third side, fourth side actions and guys are just flying around everywhere. Having someone that can just score off the catch, score off the dribble, straight off movement, curtain guff screens, it's going to be a big, big part of what they need to do to be able to keep that floor open for Jimmy and Bam, especially when they run their two-man game. So I do think that the margins are one on the wings and I'm not sure who the Celtics can throw at a Duncan Robinson if Tatum's guarding Jimmy if you've got Jalen trying to like guarding on, I don't know, maybe they throw a double, um, maybe they throw him on Struess, maybe they throw him on Robinson. But there's a world where Miami can go small and have multiple shooters on the floor. And when you look at the versatility in terms of movement shooting, that's where my questions start to come. Yeah, I think with uh, defensive matchups, I'd probably go Jalen to start on Jimmy, and then you, you might see Tatum. Um, either playing off ball, wreaking havoc in the passing lanes, or maybe you put him uh, put that length on Gabe Vincent and really just try to take Gabe Vincent completely out of the series. Because if Tatum's covering Gabe Vincent and is actually locked in to that matchup, that could be hell for Gabe Vincent. Um, but with Struess and Robinson, then you got to throw Cody, or is it uh, Caleb? Ca- I was going to say that that was the omission that I, I just realized I made. Is not including Caleb Martin in this. Okay. Yeah, I, I looked it up before to make sure. I was like, you know what? This is the this is the second year in a row we're playing this guy at the Eastern Conference Finals. I got to learn the difference between him and his brother at this yeah. point. It's it's Caleb Martin. Yeah, so Caleb Martin there. Um, I think he could cause some problems. He's he's 
you know, I, I what was he on Nevada? He was on the Nevada yeah, him team. And his, him and his twin brother were, were on Nevada. Yeah, like ago. even that, they they play like a very NBA style of basketball, right? Even in college, where it's like, oh, these guys, they're they they. I don't know if they have the top level talent to be like lottery picks, but they definitely have the game to be NBA prospects. And you're kind of seeing that develop with both of them, really, um, and seeing uh, Caleb in the heat system where he is empowered to make decisions. Uh, he has those slot drives that he's great at. He can, at- he can attack off the catch and he's big, right? So he, he hates like six, 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 seven. I think he's going to do a really good job guarding Jalen Brown in the series. I could see them putting Jimmy on, uh, on Tatum and putting Caleb Martin on Jalen Brown and trying to take those out, take those guys out to the best of their ability. And then I would imagine Derek White probably gets the shooter assignment. I think White's probably the best screen navigator um, on the team. But, you know, if we're going double big, that kind of puts us in a little bit of a quandary there. Because if we're double big, maybe we have to go back to that other lineup pretty early in the series if we're unable to account for the the shooting and the style of play that Spo's going to throw out there. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on. But if we're choosing between the wings of the Celtics, which is the Jays, and the wings of the Miami Heat, which is Jimmy Butler plus the shooters, I'm going Celtics because we have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah, it's Jays versus Jimmy, and at the end of the day, you're you're gonna ride, ride with the Jays. But I do think, Greg, you touched on a really important part of this with Caleb Barton and Adam. You talked about this in the in the last post game report, right? There's there's no more PJ Tucker. Like this is an area that the Heat never really replaced. They were kind of hoping Vic Oladipo could be that guy, unfortunately. And I'm just so sad to see what happened with him get hurt again. Not that he was necessarily filling that void, but it was another body. And I think that's the one somewhat advantage on the wing that I would say the Heat have. They have multiple. We just listed four guys versus realistically two guys that are kind of playing the wing for the Celtics. So same as Greg, you said before, just a simple numbers game, math game of how many bodies you can throw out in that area. But I think, you know, in crunch time, more than likely out of these, I think Jimmy Butler's running mate is likely to be, I'm sure you'll see Struess out there as well, and they might only have either one of Gabe Vincent or, or Kyle Lowry out there, but Caleb Martin you know, is likely going to be out there for a lot of the crunch time minutes as well. And I think him versus Jalen Brown might be the key individual matchup because on paper, complete mismatch, right? You have all NBA second teamer Jalen Brown against Caleb Martin, who we were just debating five minutes ago whether it was him or his brother. <laughs> you know, that's that that see, that seems like a lopsided mismatch in favor of the Celtics. And and that's one where you look back to last year and if Butler's taking Tatum, Tucker's probably taking Jalen Brown at certain points, right? When they just need to get stops or vice versa, whatever, whatever they want to do, they had a luxury where they could kind of go back and forth. Now and I know a lot of times the Celtics don't like to put Tatum and Brown, you know, in the in the pick and roll together because you're just getting two of their best defenders crossed. But depends how much you feel about Caleb Martin being a guy that that's going to be tough for one of these guys to go through. So I, I think that particular matchup and how Caleb Martin holds up on defense will tell us a lot about what Miami is able to do in this series. Because if you're playing Struess and you're, and Struess is, is not a bad defender, Greg, you talked about this. He gets the white guy label, right? So I don't think Celtics should go white guy hunting like most teams do on on Sam Hauser. And so, you know, if they're going to play, you know, Duncan Robinson a decent amount because of the potential offensive advantage to get that double big off, then you got to attack him. And they're, and they're likely going to go to some zone with another one of their bigs on the court if Kevin Love's out there as well. This is going to be a team where we do see a heavy mix of zone. So I think that will be the interesting matchup is how much zone can they get away with so that they can play some of these shooters versus the times they have to kind of go matchup for matchup and then you're you're hoping that you can survive with Caleb Martin on Jalen Brown or whatever the matchup's going to be and as we're going to keep saying that seems like a really tough position for Miami but you you could we could have done a podcast previewing the Bucks and Heat we would have found a way to say the same thing about Middleton and Giannis uh go to the Knicks maybe not quite as much but even with Jalen Brunson and and Julius Randle and a few of their guys there's different matchups that we could have pointed to but the Heat are here the Knicks are home the Bucks are home so they've keep finding a way but I'm I'm with you guys I think once again advantage Celtics but you know it's it's still getting tougher. So let's take a let's take a quick break here and we'll finish up with our final two categories here in our preview. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so now we've talked about the backcourt, talked about the wings, 2-0 Celtics. Let's hope that's a let's hope that's what we're looking at in the series come Saturday morning as well. We'll have to see. But let's go to the front court. And in the front court, once again, you know, for the Celtics, we're looking at Al Rob, potentially a sprinkling of Grant Williams. Maybe that's a conversation we can have here, whether or not we're gonna see see Grant in the series. We know his long running history with Bam Adebayo. It's talked about literally every time we play the Heat, dating back to their high school days and their rivalry. And then you look at the the Miami Heat. We know how good Bam can be, especially on the defensive end, just an absolute monster. Always gonna be, you know, as long as he's healthy, he will be in the running for defensive player of the year. But then below that, as far as the depth chart goes, you're looking at Kevin Love and no, I'm not. I'm not making this up. Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller getting real, real minutes and has actually been been playable, been been suitable for this team in these first two rounds. But that's really the three man big rotation that you're looking at for the Heat right now heading into this series. So, Greg, once again, this feels like a mismatch in favor of the Celtics. Do, do you have another way to spin this, or is Bam's ability to be? potential to be that all-around guy does that supersede some of what what may be better depth on the Celtics side yeah I mean we just went through Embiid right so it's tough to say like oh we're gonna have more of an issue with Bam than we would with Embiid but Bam's a little bit more versatile in the way that he can attack um, Embiid you kind of know what you're getting right you're dumping the ball to him in the mid post and letting him go to work or you're going pick and roll with him catching the ball at the nail those are really the only two actions they really ran with Embiid with Bam, there's just like so much he, – he, he has a lot more um, like circulating around him, right? If you're thinking about him being uh, the hub, if you're thinking about him being the, the sun and then he has planets revolving around him, right? All those shooters that are coming off of screens there with him, all those elbow actions that they like to run, and then just his versatility on defense where, listen, Jason Tatum cooked Joel Embiid in Game 7. It's a lot harder to cook – Bam Adebayo if you try and get him in space. He's one of the best individual defenders at the big man position because, you know, when you think about Bam, he's a center in modern-day basketball, but he's not a center. Like, Bam is like a huge wing. He's a huge wing. That's really what it is. His, his, um, his ability to deck the ball and go to the basket, his ability to pull up from 15 feet, uh, his ability on both sides of the ball, he's just a really skilled player. So, Bam Adebayo, this is a long way uh, of saying that Bam Adebayo is the best big in this series, and it's not even close. So Al and Rob and Grant, maybe you might even see some Blake in this series because Blake can just get gritty and he could bump with Bam, maybe takes a couple charges. Like I, I, I'm expecting to see at least one Blake stint in this series. Maybe, maybe. But Bam's best, best big in the series, no question. I would probably still take the Celtics just because of the depth. Um, Kevin Love does offer some stuff being able to stretch the floor. I think we're going to play him off the court pretty quickly in this series, though. And then Zeller, you know, he's Cody Zeller. <laughs> I mean, I remember the Tyler Zeller's era in Boston, and that was fun. Maybe we'll just enjoy, have fun from destroying Cody. I don't do, know. do you guys think we give Tyler a, a tribute video when he when he shows up in the crowd to, to cheer out his brother? I mean, we should, right? And it should just be Brad Stevens, like, talking about Tyler Zeller because there was times where Ty- he made Tyler look like he was actually halfway decent. Just have like Jonas Jerebko uh, introduce him. <laughs> yeah, dude. I- I'll message Jonas after this. I-, I need to apologize to him for something anyway. Um, <laughs> my take on this is, and I wrote about this, so this will be coming out shortly after you listen to the podcast or just before you've listened or maybe a day before. It depends on when you tune in. With Bam, they run a lot of like everyone hears about Bam Miami, the elbow actions, right? The elbow handoffs and blah blah blah. But going back, I went back and watched all of Bam's possessions against the Knicks through their series this morning, uh, while everyone was still sleeping because I'm a nutcase. 
And one of the things I noticed was they run a lot of similar stuff to what the Celtics have faced with Embiid, as you've already said. So you have, you'll have Bam at the elbow and they'll initi- ask Bam to initiate. There'll be other times where Bam short rolls around to that nail area, excuse me, and then, um, you know, they'll feed him there and ask him to face up and then he's either going to like drain it in your face or then attack off the dribble and get downhill. There's other times where they ask him to be a screen, a guy that screens and pops, ghost screens. They use him in a lot of ways where they want him to be around that nail area causing havoc as that kind of like off-ball point guard type role. And then they'll run him as a point forward as well. That's going to give the Celtics some issues, right? Because they're coming off a series where when Embiid caught the ball on the elbow, there was one of two options. He was either handing it off or he was shooting. There was a couple of possessions during that series between Boston and Philly where Embiid put it on the deck, but they were fleeting. And I think that that's why they were so effective when he did do it, because it wasn't something that the team was really expecting him to do consistently. Bam's going to try and beat you off the dribble, especially with Horford. If Horford plays too close up to him, Bam's going to beat him off the dribble because Bam's just quicker, he's younger, he's he's shifty. If Horford sacks off too much, then he's going to drain it in their face. So we're going to see a lot of Tatum digging in. We're going to see Brogdon and Smart digging in. It's going to be a lot of wings pinching. And like that was something that Miami really did well on the Celtics during that bubble finals, right, two years ago where they kind of ran that inverted 2-3 zone where they put... And I'm expecting to see this again. This is a big thing. They ran that inverted 2-3 zone. So instead of having your two guards at the top of the, of the key, um, sorry, of the perimeter, they had their big followed by two big wings. And then their guards were at the back. So they were like rotating over to protect the rim. But in reality, they were rotating out to shooters in the corner. When you... I expect the Celtics to kind of adjust that and run something very similar to pressure Bam on the ball. And I think that's going to be the way they contain him because he, as you said, he is the best big, but Boston's depth and the length across the board for Boston, pause, is um everything that they've got. I, I hope I'm using pause right. I find it funny when people say it, so I've incorporated it. <laughs> um, I think that's how Boston look to defend Bam because I don't think it's going to be one of those things where you can do it match straight up, whereas you could with Embiid because it was more physical than it was finesse. Yeah, and and point Bam is always kind of a matchup issue, right? Anytime they go to that point Bam look, I feel like it it, it gives teams, even though you know it's coming at some point now, you know, it's not new like it was maybe a year or two ago. It's something you have to plan for. It still throws you off because it just takes you out of your norm of whatever your defense is. But I will say, kind of going back to how we opened this pod about me being in the building for Game 7, one of the takeaways I don't think I, I got to share was, man, Al Horford D'ing up on Joel Embiid was really, really impressive to watch in this series, and especially late in the series, uh, and what he was able to do uh, against the MVP of the league. I know he's hindered, but he's still he's still Joel Embiid. He's still 7'3 and 280, who can make jump shots and can make your life a living hell. And Al, you know, for the second straight postseason, Father Time just hasn't caught up yet. And so when I look at what he was able to do in the depth, and the crazy part about watching Al D up against Joel is that People in the garden, and, and there's not always the most nuance when you're at the game and people are like, fuck you, Harden, and like, you know, getting all getting all rowdy and having fun and stuff. But I could hear people whispering, like, oh my God, like, Orford, Orford just deed up and beat. Like, there was whispers of that all around me in the different section. And I was like, man, everyone is really locked into this game right now and noticing how impactful Horford's being. And he finally hit a couple threes, but but that was always kind of the big thing with, with Horford was, oh, he's just doing these little things that weren't resonating as much as the 20 and 10 or, you know, the obviously the 51-point game that Jason Tatum had. And I think that has really finally clicked for a lot of fans. And so when you add what Horford can do, Greg, you talked about it uh, last episode, a healthy Rob Williams and how much of a difference that makes. I think one of the big plots to this series is what we've been touching on throughout this preview. How much can Miami make us have to get out of this double big look that we're now comfortable with again that seemingly, very interestingly, all the players seem to have been wanting this for a while, which was very evident in a lot of the post-game comments after I think it was game six after the switch was made and the Celtics were able to come back and get that win. You know, how much can they get us out of that? How much can they open up the floor so that Bam can be that guy that can then bully? And I think for me, it, 
you be for the Celtics perspective, you need to make Bam a score. Now that's a little bit playing with fire. It's it's not as easy as you know my proclamation from last series of make PJ Tucker beat you because PJ Tucker stands in one spot, does one thing. That's not necessarily that much of a hot take, but making Bam a score is a little bit playing with fire, but it's also not necessarily what he wants to do or what the offense for Miami wants to do. But I think it's something that if you can make them do something that they don't want to do, it's going to lean in your favor eventually, even if there's moments where it's a little bit scary. And so it's a really interesting matchup. I think out of all of the areas that we've previewed, this is by far the closest. And this is one where I think if you're really a BAM truther, a BAM believer, you could you could, you could could tell me that you believe that, that the front court advantage goes to the Heat just based on BAM. I think that's entirely possible, especially when you add in if Kevin Love is hitting shots. That is going to put a lot of pressure on the Celtics defense because if they're going to try and roam off of him with with Rob Williams, that might not work out so well. He's had a couple of games where he's hit five threes in this postseason. So I think this will be one of the biggest chess matches. I lean Celtics once again, obviously slightly biased, but having watched Al Horford in person, having a healthy Rob Williams, knowing that you potentially could throw Grant, maybe even Blake out there for some stints, I'm going to feel pretty good with them going up against Cody Zeller or Kevin Love. Uh, So I just think in, in this scenario, the depth and the talent, the talent's close, the depth I think goes to the Celtics. And that's obviously, I think, where where I would lean. So that brings us to the coaches. And right now, basically, it's a sweep. This is a sweep in this preview of the way that we're doing this for the Celtics. I will tell you right now, no fucking chance in hell I'm telling you the Celtics are, are, are sweeping this Miami Heat team. I've seen too much. It's, it's yeah, just not a chance that I, I would ever predict that, despite the fact that right now, backcourt, wings, frontcourt, it's 3-0, 3-0 Celtics. Coaching, Greg. Let's start with you. You just talked about the praise that Joe Missoula rightfully deserves. And, you know, he's gotten critiques, which I think have been have been fair as well. But he also deserves his flowers for making the changes that he did for the timeout that was not a challenge, where he actually got into the ref, which is something you don't see very often, where he gets into the refs and takes that that leadership role of having to do something that, you know, as a coach, it's not your favorite thing to do, right? Manage the refs. But it is part of it. It's part of the gig. It's part of what you have to do, especially in a long postseason. So now we're going up against what's, I think, just about at this point, the consensus number one coach in the NBA and Eric Spolstra. What he's done with this team is nothing short of amazing. The fact that we're 3-0 in backcourt, wings, frontcourt, and now it's him in Missoula. And I got to assume Spolstra's going to get the edge here. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but Spolstra, Missoula, give me your thoughts, Greg. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good comparison, but I, I can't think of one right now. It's just like with... With Spo, this is what scares me about this series. Okay, there is no pressure on the Miami Heat. If they win this series, like Jimmy Butler becomes legendary, and Eric Spolstra is without without a doubt the greatest co- coach who like ever lived in the past twenty years. Right, he overtakes Greg Popovich, and it's like not not even close there because like there literally is no reason why the Miami Heat should beat the Boston Celtics in this series other than Eric Spolstra. Right, that's really what it comes down to: is how great can Eric Spolstra be, and then like in comparison to Joe Mazzulla, who's a rookie head coach. Now, the great thing about this is we faced this exact scenario last year. However, the difference is Emo Adoka had really figured out this team by that point, and he also had depth in his coaching staff. Right, we don't have that depth in the coaching staff this year, which is more what concerns me than Mazzulla just being the head coach of this team. Is we lost Damon Sotomayor this year, right? Um, Will Hardy is not on this coaching staff. He was in, by all accounts, was instrumental in making the adjustments in that Heat series last year. So, this coaching staffs, when you compare them, there is no comparison here. The Miami Heat have the better coaching staff, and it scares the crap out of me. It's going to win them at least one game in this series, but I would imagine it's going to push this to seven. So, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think that unquestionably in my opinion I know some people are pushed back but in my personal opinion Eric Spolstra is unquestionably the best coach in the NBA I think that we've seen from Missoula that he's willing to make adjustments but he's slow to make them he wants to give the players every opportunity to kind of figure stuff out as Greg said losing Stoudemire losing Hardy obviously with Vidoka going and Missoula being pushed up you are kind of three assistant coaches short so there's a lot of voices that were in Adoka's ear that Missoula doesn't have the privilege of having that and that, to me, is going to be a big loss. I also think that we're going to see Spolstra throw some stuff out there that 
Mazula's kind of staring into the space, thinking like, "What the hell is this? How do I counter it?" Yeah, like that squint look, like, what the fuck? like uh, it's like Will's going to be in an hour's time when that edible hits, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? But um, <laughs> so yeah, I just I don't think that there's a world where I see Mazula out coaching Spolstra. I don't even think there's a world where I come away from this series like Mazula was kind of equal he was on level playing field and if he does come out of it like that then you have to give him so much credit for doing it without a deep backroom staff with him and like on the bench uh i'm expecting spolster to win them two games yeah i mean this is like comparing lebron and paolo right like i don't i don't know if that's maybe along the lines of the comparison that you were trying to find greg but it's it's a guy who's so veteran seasoned has seen it all and is is you know is so in control versus a guy who's still trying to figure it out. He's really talented, got a lot of skills, but still trying to figure it out. And you know what I'm I mean, obviously in this I'll just say, you know, obviously I'm going with Spolstra over over Missoula as far as, you know, who has the advantage, but that's that that's not that's not to say anything poorly of of Missoula who has been having, you know, an up and down, but it's certainly on the uptick right now from his coaching in the postseason. And, you know, with Spolstra, what I'm waiting for is I don't know if it's gonna be game one. I don't know if it's gonna be game two, but but Adam, you were kind of touching on this. There's gonna be a game where he throws out I don't know, five, six different defensive looks in one game where it's going from man to man. There's a box in one, there's a two, three, the inverted three, two, you know, whatever we're going to see. Maybe we'll see some, some type of full court trap pressure. I don't know. I don't know. Eric Spolstra is the, the type of coach that he's got so many tricks up his sleeve that I'm expecting there's going to be one game at least where we just see them throw the kitchen sink and say, you know, part of our game plan is confusion. We want the Celtics to be so confused. We've seen that but work against the Celtics before, right? Where teams throw something that they're not ready for, and all of a sudden the Celtics are are dribbling, or one guy's dribbling the ball for 10 seconds, and we're getting one pass and a last second shot with five, you know, under three seconds left on the shot clock that is in no way part of, of the DNA of, of what this team is supposed to be. So I think that's gonna be really interesting. And to your point, Greg, I think it will get them for sure at least one game. I think based on everything we've said, and let's let's give our picks here. I know you guys gave yours last game, but you've had a, you've had a moment to think about it. It's in the moment. You guys have had a little have had a day or so to to really think about it. I think for me, I'm I'm going Celtics in seven. I have no freaking idea how this gets to seven, but I just think there's somehow some way there's there's a Spolstra game in here. There's a Jimmy game where he is amazing. Maybe one, maybe even two of those. You know, think back to that Celtics heat of, I think it was 2012, and Rondo won two of those games by himself. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy has two of those in him. Then there's a Spolstra game in there. But I think at the end of the day, the the talent disparity is just going to matter. It's just going to matter because this team has you know they, they have the stars at the top end and they've got the depth to back it up they can match up well they can adjust to whatever the heat throw out there depends how long it will take them to do it but they can do it you know and so i think that's what's most important and so by the time we get through seven games i think the celtics are going back to the eastern conference finals four three over the miami heat get your tickets to game seven now i think it's going to happen greg let's go to your prediction and then adam we'll, we'll round it out with you Everything in my heart is telling me this is Celtics in seven. So that means it's going to be Celtics in five. Like, I think this is, this is going to be the, the complete opposite of what everyone's expecting. We, we thought we were going to destroy the Hawks. We yeah. thought we were going to destroy uh, the Sixers. We didn't destroy either team. Now everyone's worried about the heat. So I'm just expecting things to go differently than what You're we You're probably expected. right. To be so honest, probably gonna be that, that, that sounds pretty accurate to me. I, but we'll we'll see. So we got Greg, Celtics in five. I'm sticking with the, the worried Celtic meter, Celtics in seven. Don't know why. I, I cannot give you a logical reason as to how or why this gets to seven. I think it does. Adam, you're gonna you're gonna split the difference here and go six or that's where exactly you what I was doing. It's what I suggested down Bleach Report. I'm gonna stick with it today. We're gonna have a Spo game, we're gonna have a Jimmy game, or a Spo plus Jimmy game, and then a Spo or Jimmy game. Uh and then I think the Celtics just and I wouldn't be surprised if Boston win game one and then Miami have the Spo and Jimmy game, and then Spo or Jimmy game in two and three. We all think the world's burning down, and then Missoula's like hold my beer. And then Tatum's like, no, you hold my beer, bitch. And Tatum just <laughs> brings you to the NBA finals. Well, Tatum's got the ability to do it. So uh we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a quick vibe check here and then we'll uh we'll get out of here. We did we didn't have it yesterday with the live stream. So we're gonna give y'all just a little quick vibe check. So Greg, let's do what we always do and let's cue it up. Feeling good, feeling great. I ain't never coming down. Feeling good, feeling great. 
right. As we always do, the green with envy vibe check. The vibes were popping in the TD Garden last night. They were lit, as the kids would say. If the kids still say that, maybe there's a new term. I don't know. Either way, it was a ton of fun. Greg, let's go. Actually, no, no. Screw you, Greg. Adam, let's let you start. Let's 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 go with Adam here. Adam's Adam's the one who had to get up at three thirty in the morning or whatever time it was for for Game Six. So Adam, you get to go first on this week's vibe check. Let man, we're starting it off on a bad tone though. I should have ended on the bad tone. Not start with the bad tone. Oh man, that's how we're gonna circle it all back. It's all part. Hey, let me host. Let me host, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right then. So yesterday, so Sunday, myself and Greg went over on to um. Onto Bleach Report, we did a live stream post game. That's dope. Um, I remember being in the chat with you guys early midweek last week, being like, "Man, you know, there was a time when we were just hooking up, starting to do the podcast together over on Celtics Blog, and we were talking about all the dope things that we hope can happen." And now we're doing live streams on Bleach Report. Just feel like a a nice kind of like, yo, it's a vindication moment, right? Everything you're doing is working. I get in there, I'm super stoked. Celtics just won. Tatum puts up a 51 point performance. I'm living my best life. I have two dickheads simultaneously. Two dickheads, not one, but two, decide that they want to start throwing some shade because I'm English. Right. Yeah, motherfucker, we know. Like you I, <laughs> you click on my Twitter bio, it says in England. I don't understand how people miss this. I don't understand why people just assume that because I'm English they don't know ball. I'm happy to sit down, go on a live stream with you and cook you. Completely fine. Not a problem at all. It threw me off. Greg had to take over hosting because he could see I was... Because, right, let me just say this. If anyone follows me on social media, I will put you on blast for stuff like that because I'd expect you to do it to me if I was being that way to you. I'm on Bleacher Report's platform. I can't do that. That's not acceptable. We want to go back. We want to be there again. Maybe me a little bit less than before, but I still want to be there because it's Bleacher Report. So it threw me off. Greg, I want to say thank you to you, man. You held it down. Uh... I also want to say thank you to everyone that showed love when I tweeted out about it afterwards on Twitter, on Instagram. Y'all reached out to me. I woke up to a bunch of nice messages. I have everybody, so I appreciate y'all for that. I keep saying y'all for some reason, like I'm American. Um, hey, you guys. But um, <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, it it, honestly, it just wound me up, man. It pissed me off. Um, yeah, I got yeah. a question. Is this is this the Green with Envy podcast, or is this all the smoke? I I, I don't know if we've if no, we switched I'm telling podcasts. You, bro, like, <laughs> seriously, like, I was down for the smoke. That was the problem, right? Like because it's something. It's already a barrier. That, like I, I have to overcome every time I speak sure. to somebody. They're like, "Oh, you're from England? Oh, oh, you apply for a job for it to cover a team? Where are you in England? Well, no, then you know. What I mean, it's a big barrier. It's like a fucking climbing Mount Everest every single day. So then to have someone jump in a live stream where there's a producer watching and they're throwing shade for the same thing. It's like, man, every time I take two steps up, someone's pulling one of them steps out from underneath me. I'm sliding back down one. I ain't about that. Uh, so yeah, man, just be better. Just, just, just be better. And again, fuck y'all. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. I, th I thought that you handled yourself well. And um, I'm glad that we're here to talk you through it, talk you off the ledge and that there are people on Twitter that are so supportive of everything that you do. And my question to you, Adam, real quick, how much of that fueled the seven minute, uh, like one take breakdown of all of Jason Tatum's buckets? Literally all of it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, Adam woke up pissed off at those two dudes. And it was like, I'm about to prove in a seven minute clip that and I know more basketball than you. And the thing was, what pissed me off the most was I pull all these clips. They don't, they run one action in 28 buckets. There was one action for me to break down. The rest of it was like, here's another drag screen. Oh, this time they're screening away from the ball. They're screening. Like, dude, can't you just run like, I don't know, something complex for me to really get my teeth into and be like, yo, watch me flex for a minute. But no, apparently not. We're running simple offense out here. Buckets all day, you know. But when yeah, you have Jason Tatum, it's easy like that, right? Yeah, he, he, uh, he about that life. All right, Greg, what you got for a vibe check for us? Well, I mean, Bleach Report was super dope. So shout out to Bleach Report for continuing to believe in us to do those live streams. Um, but kind of on that same tip, Black Sheep Optimus back on stage this week. Super excited about that. We are on stage on Thursday here in Austin, Texas at this place called The Hive. Uh, shout out to my guy, Modern Day Midas, for booking us. We were supposed to be on the bill during South by Southwest, but... Um, Daryl, who's in my band, and his girlfriend, Kaylin, got COVID and when they were traveling over in Morocco. So our show got canceled because of that. So the fact that they asked us to come back is super dope. 
Uh, we're also going to be releasing new music uh, June 9th. We haven't like officially yes, done. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, baby. We haven't done the like official this song is coming out on June 9th post yet. But, you know, I like to give you guys sneak peeks here on the pod. Uh, so we do have a new song coming out on June 9th. But we're back on stage. Super excited to be performing. Like I told you guys when we were talking about Bleach Report, like, are you nervous? I was like, man, I ain't even nervous. Like I, I've been conditioned uh, to, to perform when the lights come on. So it's been fun uh, doing Bleach Report and also being able to you know, to continue to do the pod with you guys. But now this other part of my life that has kind of been a little bit dormant since the new year. We haven't done a whole bunch in 2023. This is our first show of 2023, so I'm super pumped. So let me ask you, Greg, for our lovely, loyal listeners here, you know, I know the the new songs drop in June 9th, I think you said. You know, if they listen to the end of maybe not this podcast, but some of the future podcasts, are they going to get a little, little sneak oh, preview maybe? No doubt. Hopefully the Celtics are still playing basketball on June 9th and we'll be able to put the new song at the end so that everybody can go find it on Spotify and I can link it in the in the show description. Love that. If you guys aren't already, go follow Black Sheep Optimist on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is that you listen to your music. Make sure you are checking in, tuning in. And I'm going to make mine real simple so we can wrap this up and get out of here because I'm getting hungry. My guy, Tony, has got the smoker going out here. I can see can see the smoke coming out the chimney right now, so I got to go get my grub on. But I'm sticking with grub for my vibe check. Right before this, uh, made plans with Adam. You'll appreciate this. You remember uh, Auntie Helen who used to pop into the chat when we used to when we used to do live streams. Yeah, yeah. yeah Throw me off my game every time. I know every single time, Adam. Hey, Auntie Helen. Every single time, every time that she would pop into the chat. Well, I'm gonna have a chance to catch up with her. Uh, I haven't had a chance to get my seafood fixed, Adam. I know you're not a big seafood guy. Uh, but I love, love, love me some oysters. I told her that. She made a reservation for us tomorrow after I do some work stuff. Going to pop in, see her before I hit Logan and get back to Texas. But I am very, very excited to get some oysters in my belly. It's going to be a very, very fun day for your boy here. And you know what? That's going to do it. That's a wrap for this episode of Green with Envy. Boston Celtics back in the Eastern Conference Finals, taking on the Miami Heat. Series starts Wednesday. Games are every other day. So make sure you are locked in. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media uh, at Green MV Pod, at Adam Taylor MBA, at Manicus Music, at Wilbond13, at Mini Minnow. We got them all, baby. Just follow them. We got content for you. We got coverage coming. Um, so make sure that you are rocking with us. We appreciate those of you that have been tuning in to our Instagram lives, Bleacher Report, everything uh, that we've been having going on this postseason. It really, really means a lot. And it really makes us, you know, really smile when we see people interact across those different platforms. That that really hits us that, that you know, that y'all are, are messing with us enough to, to follow us across everything. So appreciate y'all. Celtics ain't done yet. We got another series here. It's going to be a grind. Let's strap in. Greg, any final thoughts? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Y'all know the drill. Black Sheep Optimist. Skywalking. Peace, everybody. Peace, y'all. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes. A glimpse of what I'm missing, think it is a mirage. Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe. But I stick for a minute, cause I'm digging the vibe. I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes. Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe. Don't know what the deal is. I'm a typical guy. You know the one thing different is the state of your mind. I'm like, oh my my, someone throw me a rope. I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float. You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that she wrote. But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope. He should know that that embodied. That's what go with the flow I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off when you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.